Welcome to the For the Success Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supes. In this podcast, I promise to ask the tough questions and to talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to be sick and successful. The podcast is here to give you a boost of motivation, to give you the push you need towards following your dreams, and to be that friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have ever dreamt for more, if you have goals and are working towards them, if you dream of being successful, no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to the For the Success podcast. I'm so excited you are here with us today. We have a special guest. Her name is Sage Polaris. She is a copywriter for the stars, a creative and a writing expert. She has written high converting copy for more than 350 projects, earning her clients millions of dollars. Her and her team help increase sales with words and strategy on landing pages, sales pages, websites, emails, and so much more. Her strategies are centered on amplifying sales for influential creatives and healers who pack way more personality punch than your average digital brand. She has spoken on stages all over the world, and people call her the conscious launch strategist for the internet's rich and famous. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. And yeah, my intro is a mouthful, but you rocked (laughs) that out. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes. The last part was a little bit of a tongue twister, but we got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you're winning on a Wednesday morning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I'm so excited to have you here. I, you know, have recently been looking into finally hiring a copywriter for my brand and I I would consider myself a creative, but it gets to the point where you're like, someone better than me should be doing this. So it's exciting to hear from someone who's been doing it for, I'm actually not sure how many years you've been doing it for, but for so many people and creating such wealth in people's digital brands. Yeah. Okay. So 10 years deep into this business and it's been an incredible journey. Copywriter the whole time, but over the time, my business revenue model has changed a little. So I started out working with private clients. And a lot of my peers will then venture away from that. And I stayed, I still serve private clients. I've basically like, I I don't know them shrunk people, but I've shrunk how many clients I take over the years. So it's been a beautiful journey and I'm really grateful to be here still because I don't know if people have heard the data, but like something like 50% of businesses or it's more 80% of businesses don't make it past five years mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, don't quote me on the, the data, but it's, it's a high amount. So to be here 10 years later and to essentially be in the same craft, I feel super blessed. That's amazing. That's awesome. And the results that you've had too, they speak for themselves. That's awesome. I think something that a lot of our listeners and and I myself questioned or or thought of is when I heard you introduce yourself as a copywriter for the stars, what does that mean? You know, that's an interesting piece of my business is that all of my clients, I call them, you know, and, and myself included and anybody who's in my mastermind or anybody who is in my membership, I say we're all leaders among leaders, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I kind of feel like we're these stars who are building our own constellation in a way. And so the reason I say copyright of the stars is I do work with some A-list celebrities too, but I count them among the stars of all of us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be perfectly candid because I know you are like very open with this, this audience is that 
you know, the, I've been careful because I live in Los Angeles. I've been careful not to get too involved in the film industry. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. It's not good for everyone. Having that much wealth that fast doesn't work well, not just for celebrities, but for other clients of mine too, who, you know, clients who have done upwards of 1.25 million in a single launch, that kind of growth can be catastrophic to someone's life. So when you think of sports industry, film industry, all of these different industries, including the online industry, growth is something that people are very ambitious for. It's mm-hmm. not always good for them or their life. And yeah, so, definitely they're not prepared. Yeah. Right. And so being this copywriter of the stars, you know, a lot of times I'm the exit plan for people who are well-known in their industry where they're like, I want to build my own brand and no longer be beholden to the industry that I'm in. Mm. And so, you know, and I don't in any way feel like I'm saving them from themselves or anything else, but I do feel grateful that I can create that window of opportunity because for me, 10 years ago, I was working in the museum industry, installing art before I became like right around the time I became a copywriter. And I was told outright that they would never hire me full time at a particular museum because I was a woman. Mm. So when someone else wants out of a particular industry, I'm like, yo, let's go build our own table. Forget these folks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why we're here, isn't it? Like to, to build something new for ourselves and change that stigma that women can only do this and that and that you can only make this and, you know, it, we make our own path. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like the entrepreneurial journey, like if you have any triggers or things that come up for you, it will hold a light and shine a mirror, or I said the opposite of what I meant, but you know what I mean? Um, It will shine a light on all of that in your life. It's the the biggest, yeah. It's the biggest self-development journey anyone can ever take is becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Because even for about the first seven years of my business, I hid behind my client's success. It was so much easier to just do that. <laughs> and like, but what I realized someone pointed out recently, and it made me re-realize it all over again, is like, it wasn't fair for me to have the skills that I have. And you had to know somebody to know somebody mm. to hire me. And that to me is a disservice, right? And it's why I finally, after like eight or nine years in business, finally created, I guess it's been eight years in, I've had my membership for two years. And what is like, I consider to be a low ticket offer. I know it's still an investment for the people who come in, but prior to that, you couldn't hire me for that price. So I feel incredibly grateful to be, one that I have finally stopped hiding behind my client's desk because I had to build my audience to have the membership and the mastermind. And two, I just feel like I was really inaccessible to too many people. And that's not fair given what I know and all of the things that I've been able to do with my private clients. So I really love being able to share it. And then I guess the third thing with wanting for me to build an audience was that you know, I had proven my copy templates, for example, across multiple industries, but I wasn't out there testing it for myself. Mm. So now it's like, when I tell you something works, I have emails going out today, literally that are working. That's awesome. Get me the results that I want for my clients, my students, my members. Right. So now it's a different story for me. And it was like, 
wanting to prove things even more. Not that I wasn't worthy already, but that I just wanted to prove things even more. Yeah. Yeah. And something I actually heard recently, a client of mine said is someone was is pitching an app development company or something like that was okay. saying that emails are dead. You don't need them anymore. You know, <laughs> the next thing is everyone needs an app. So I would love to know your thoughts on that. Okay. I know I have thoughts, blessings. but with love and blessings, those are blinders and yeah. every business model is completely different. Yeah. And like, look, if making that case for them makes them feel, honestly, it's an ego move in my opinion, What from whatever direction, <clears throat> that's such an egotistical conversation to have because, and maybe like they lack the experience. There's like a lot of reasons why someone would say that, but ultimately it sounds like they're trying to make their solution sound the best. Right. And that puts off all kinds of alarm bells in my head. And I would never trust that person. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they're a distrustful person. I'm saying what I would feel if I heard that. Right. So the reason I say that is because my clients have had success in every area imaginable. Let's just put it this way. I think there's like 1,755 billionaires in the world, if I'm Mm -hmm. getting that number right. Wow. Interesting, right? But it's a very small percentage of our like seven to eight billion dollar or eight billion person population, right? Yep. So that's still a very small, but if you look at all those billionaires, it's not just the Elon Musk and the Richard Bransons and the blah 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 who have the best media teams who do the best job getting your attention PR wise. There are people in every type of business you can imagine making sometimes millions and maybe even billions of dollars. So for you to tell me that an app is the way to get there, get out of here. No, and that's the thing, right? It's <laughs> And it's not just that, oh, it's not an app that it's not the way to get there. But like, I have a successful business and I've sent like three emails. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I know successful copywriters who don't have a website themselves. And like, there's things, yes, you quote unquote should do in business, but it doesn't mean that if you don't do it, you're not going to be successful, right? Like we can all make our own path in everything. I'm a social media manager and I haven't been posting on social media very much. So like, you know, there's... Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's things you can create a successful business without even the internet, really. I mean, that would be harder to do nowadays, but it's possible, like you said, that, you you know, you hid behind having to know someone to know someone. So technically in those times, you really didn't have to be online. Yeah, I didn't. And like, honestly, most of those people never landed on my website who hired me. They didn't have the time to go look. Exactly. So I am a big believer that diversifying your platform over time and at your own pace Mm. makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But trying to keep up with the Facebook Joneses or the Instagram Joneses or the website Joneses will get you in a whole lot of mess and overextend you financially, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's what'll happen is you'll have a mess. You'll have a little bit of everything and it'll all be a mess and your business will be like, I'm thinking of my little daughter. She's two. And when like someone goes away, she goes, Dada, and puts her hands up. That's what I just did. Like business. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And look, like I lovingly call my business a success mess. Like I do think getting messy has its time and place, but in the beginning, like one platform at a time, Mm y'all, please, like just in the beginning and then grow from there. Like I know for a fact right now that TikTok is first of all, the number one visited website in the world of last year, which was 2021. And I'm still not there. And like, they're giving people massive reach and giving people lots of leads because they want people to buy ad space. So they're trying to get as much traffic as possible. 
I'm still not going to do it because I'm still on Instagram and I'm still getting a handle over there. So you can't rush me anymore. And I love when people try to rush me because I'm like, yeah, friend, I love you. I'm happy that's working for you. Go build your app truly and prove me wrong. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But do it your own way. Do it your own way. And like you said, feel comfortable. Like when someone asks me, should I be on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube? And I'm like, what can you be consistent on? What brings you joy? What can you do every day or three times a week? Mm. Do that till it feels comfortable and then add one more. If your Mm -hmm. website's a mess right now and the thought of changing it makes you want to vomit, then maybe like let's focus on your Instagram posts or, or focus on whatever it is that you can do well and then potentially hire a copywriter to help you on your website or, you know, if, if those are the next steps in your business. But I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like that's also a great segue because we were talking earlier before we hit record about like, when do you hire a copywriter, mm-hmm. right? Because it's something that we all consider because copywriters are, first of all, they do a good job, right? Of letting people know that they are needed at some point in your business. But when that point is, is totally different for every single person. And I do find that most people, in my opinion, start too early with a copywriter. Like they, and here's why though, like they have this notion in their head that if I hire a copywriter, it will save my entire business model. Right. And I am not a fan of people kind of getting sucked into that notion because there's two things that need to happen before You need to have an audience to sell to. You need to understand that audience. And then you need to have a solid offer for that audience that you understand before the copy will be effective. So I think of it like a triangle. So audience at the bottom, offer in the middle, copy on top. And so if you focus on those first two things, then yeah, the copy will be effective or the brand design that you hire a web designer Mm -hmm. to do will be effective. Yeah. And if you don't have those two things in place, they fall short often for people. And then they're like, well, I spent all this money on a copywriter and it didn't work. Right. The copywriter is not going to create your business. They're not. You need to work either with a business coach first or have a really strong mentor or be really good at going to the library and getting every single resource you need. Like you need to strategically pick books, not just pick up any book. Yep. And like model people who are in your industry. The first thing I do for writing my own copy, right? So let's talk about if you're not ready to invest in a copywriter and be really honest about whether or not you have that budget. The first thing I do as a copywriter is I go and research other people in my industry. Now, I know this can give people comparisonitis, like it gets Mm -hmm. a little tricky doing market research. Um, because you might look at somebody who's way far ahead of you in your business. I did that when I was first making reels on Instagram, I went and looked at someone who was way too far ahead of me. And I was like, I thought I could produce something like their team had produced. And that was just silly. Right. Um, but I fell into the trap again and I knew better. Like, this is how it goes. Yeah, Yeah, that's business. That's why it's (laughs) such a self-development journey. (laughs) Yes, totally. And like, I had a couple of people talk me off the ledge pretty quickly. So having the right people around you as you're building your business, I mean, that's almost more important than anything else to me is like people a few steps ahead of you. Right. So find your mentors first or find your mental mentors, what my friend Evie calls where they're your mentor in your head, but you kind of pay attention to what they do to have success. And they're in a similar industry as you. So that's probably square one is like get people around you who have the things that you are like, not like I want what she or he or they is having, but you're like, I'll have what they're having, not because I'm jealous, but because 
I like what they're doing. I yeah, that's my road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So find your path with your people for sure. And then when you're trying to learn copywriting, like go look at people's websites and get the cues from there. Like if someone hires me in an industry that I'm not completely familiar with, I'll be honest with them. I'll be like, Hey, I haven't at this point, I can't really say that anymore. I've written for almost everybody. Um, but I don't really do SaaS, Right. But if a client was like, please, you have been with me since the beginning. I want to do this SaaS thing. Do the SaaS thing with me. What, what's SaaS? Sorry. What's SaaS? Service is a software. Oh, okay. So- Got Someone you. who develops an app is in the yes. SaaS world. Got you, got you, got right? you. Right. So Facebook is a SaaS software, services a software. So if someone, Mark Zuckerberg, called me up and he's like, please, Sage, you've been working with me since the beginning. I really want you to do meta with me. Please do meta with me. I'll be like, okay, Mark, I will go research everybody else who does something like meta. He's not innovating, in my opinion something already exists like that somewhere. They just don't, aren't as well known as Facebook and Meta. I will find them. I will always be able to find them. So be really strong in your market research, go find examples and take cues from it and Mm -hmm. then create your own spin on it. Yep. Because I truly believe, honestly, there are no new ideas in a way, like as unique as we think we are, someone has worked in that market And I guess the trick is when you're doing market research is like definitely talk to the audience like we talked about earlier. You can't just create in a silo. You have to have what we call in the in the copywriting world customer voice data. The things they are saying really influences what you are writing because you want to get inside of their head. For sure. So I would research some of Mark's meta meta creators that he's already hiding and they're already creating. I know they're out there. And then I would research other people like Meta. And then I would look at stylistically, like, what is my voice, right? We need to develop a voice for ourselves and not sound like everyone else out there. That's really important. And that foundation of figuring out your voice often comes from the things that have influenced you in your life previously. So I mentioned I used to work in the museum industry. I love travel. So my first website, like the brand voice was all themed around travel. So I had like, I think I had like Weekend Warrior was my smallest package, a honeymoon, and then a summer vacay. Those were my three packages. That's awesome. (laughs) So once you have those things, then you're off to the races, like start experimenting and writing and writing on platforms like Natalie mentioned that you love, right? Like Mm -hmm. places that light you up. And I don't care where it is, honestly, if you want to start a blog, if you want to go on medium, I do like borrowing other people's platforms when I'm building my audience personally. Like I love being in Facebook groups that allow promotion. Like I know what to do in there. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So find your happy place and go right. Like, and the last thing I'll say in, in terms of like, if you're not ready to hire the copywriter, Often we get in our own way and we, it's funny, like in the internet world, they're like, bless and release the haters. As you get bigger, people are going to hate on you. I'm like, what about those inner haters? Those haters that tell you not to put the words on the paper because you're worried what people are going to think. Yeah. All of, or like, I don't know where to start. Just start, make it like a crappy first draft and get it out there. Yeah. And to circle back around where you said there's no, you know, brand new ideas. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I'm copying someone if I'm going and doing market research to what others in my industry are doing, or I can't do a program that teaches about the same thing because someone else is out there. And my thing is always like, how many hairstylists are on your block? 
Do you think they're all cutting hair differently? No. Do you think they all have different haircut programs? No. Like there's space for us all. And knowing what your competitors are doing isn't copying them. Don't end up taking their, you know, their literal copy, copy pasting, putting it or, you know, copying their program name and creating something exact, but going to see what modules they have or how much they're charging or what is working for them on Instagram or whatever it is. That's not copying. That's being a smart business person. A hundred percent. We make it too personal. I do love that business. Like we are personal brands, but sometimes we make it too personal Mm -hmm. and we think that we get those like inner villains in our head that just come out and tell us for so many reasons, we can't do what we want to do. And so it's a constant, like having to acknowledge those things Mm -hmm. inside your head. And then the thing that I tell myself, even to this day, because new things come up for me that are just like, make me not want to do something. And I say, to myself, let no come from other places, not yourself. Mm. So for example, I was pitching my peers to speak inside of their communities. And there was this one peer who I know she has like, uh, she just finished a 2 million pound launch. She's in the UK. And I wanted to teach copy inside of her community I really didn't want to ask. I felt weird asking her. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to stop myself. She says, no, it's fine. She answered me first. She said, yes, please. And it blossomed into this incredible partnership that we're doing together. This so beautiful. That's so awesome. And it's like, what? Like that. I almost got in the way of that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That it happens all the time. I'm actually thinking of a conversation I had with my senior uh, content specialist. She messaged me on on Instagram and was like, "Hey, if you ever need anyone." In that moment, my other content specialist kind of fell off the place of the planet. It's a whole different story. But yeah. like, I needed someone in that moment right now. Someone, please. And she's now like the my top girl, you know, for content writing. And and we were talking about it this weekend on a photo shoot. She's like. I tried to message you like three times. I even drove by you on the street once because we live in a similar area. She's like, I just couldn't. And then one day I just did. And like, it, you know, I, I don't know what I would do without her now on my end. So those moments where you're like, I'm not good enough. I don't think there's a reason it got put in your head, you know? And people are praying for what you have to offer. Yeah. And we forget mm. about that. And every time someone reminds me, even I forget if someone reminds me like, Oh, right. People are praying. Like I have prayed for the yeah. life that I have now. I can't yeah. tell you out of those 10 years, I would say the first seven years I was praying for what I have now to be yeah, able man. to reach people at this greater level yeah. and to serve them. It just like, I honestly, I never take it for granted because I worked to get, to get here and it was a leap of faith, not just for me, but also for my family. There was out of the 10 years, there was one year that will remain unnamed, but that I was not profitable, profitable Mm. in my business Yeah, for the whole year of my revenue. And, you know, like that's why I'll never take for granted where I'm at now. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, what makes a successful business owner, a successful entrepreneur is going through those times and not giving up because it would have been easy to say like, well, apparently I suck as a copywriter. I made no money this year. So I'm out going back to the museum. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. We've all thought I'm just going to go get a job. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't think I could ever again, but it is a thought. How easy would it be? Quote unquote, right? Because I was miserable. It wasn't easy. It was probably much harder, but. It, it's, yeah. a, it's those demons that you were mentioning that come up as an entrepreneur that 
you're your own boss. You're the one who has to push you. You are the one who has to motivate you. And sometimes that can be hard, especially during hard weeks. A hundred percent. And like, you have to, and like for me at least, and everybody's household is different. I have to answer to my husband and my children as well. Right. And like to have to be completely vulnerable about that for me, like the way that I was raised was to be very independent and I've had to learn to depend on others over the years. So to have to go to my husband crying and say, Mm -hmm. I need money right now. That to me is the ultimate heartbreak. And for some women, that is not an issue at all. And I admire them so much. But to me, that was like my ultimate low was having to ask him for money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in our financial situations, like unique as well, and it works for us. But that being said, like, it's fascinating. And now we're at a crossroads again, where I'm telling him like, you know, after these last two years of the pandemic and two and a half years now, I kept my kids home longer than we could have allowed them to go back, but we kept them home because we were very COVID conscious. I had to remove all the support in my home because he wasn't comfortable having people here. And I have so much respect and love for my husband. I'm a bit more of a risk taker. He's very risk adverse. And that's just how we are. And so when I got to this year, I was like, hey, I'm ready to grow again. So support's coming back. The kids are going back to school. Like, get ready, though, because this means a transfer of responsibility because of the growth that is coming in the next couple months. Actually, we've, I've been preparing him since January for the growth that's going to happen <laughs> in the company in May. I love that. <laughs> and it's been amazing. And it's brought up new things. Like we think that if we solve our money problems, everything else will be mm-hmm. solved. And I wish that was true. No, you do hit tipping points where it gets easier but then you go back to having to solve new things yeah. and then you hit a new tipping point. It's yeah. just like, I'm listening to the book right now. It's called rich as fuck by Amanda Francis. <laughs> and you know, there's moments where she triggers me a little cause she swears a lot, yeah. but something that she said that, you know, hit home was, you know, yeah, money makes everything easier is something that she says in the book, but it also doesn't. And you, you don't change as a person if you're a good person. Right. I mean, some people can be changed by money, but you know, it can change everything and it can change nothing. Whereas there's still going to be problems. You're still going to be the same person. Your family's still going to be just as annoying or not as, as they were before. You just have more resources to take care of things like if your car breaks down or whatever, those things get easier, but other obstacles come up. It's not like it's going to be fast, smooth sailing forever. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda is interesting to me. She actually lives out here in LA and you know, I love hearing the periphery of what she does. Um, I haven't gone all in with her stuff, but that being said, I've seen it firsthand what happens to people and yeah. I've seen it go both ways. Yeah. It's, I agree. It doesn't really change them. What happens I've noticed is that they become more of who they already were. It amplifies it amplifies. And the issue with that I've found, and I've had to solve this with my clients is that sometimes they're really good at hiding who they really are. And then the money happens and you find out. Mm-hmm. And so I have a rule. I have a couple of rules that I've come up with over the last couple of years. If I'm going to work privately with somebody, cause I've taken my clients from multiple six to multiple seven in two years, my most recent client that I'm working with right now. That's awesome 
it's amazing. Like so yeah. incredible. But when I had edits for how they were showing up as a brand in the world, what I watched for was two things. I watched for like, if I told them and I was critical of what they were doing and how they were um, presenting their brand to the world, I would watch to see if they took notes and they did. They took notes and they immediately made changes. Another brand I worked with, I would be critical of something, nothing would change. Right. And so that was kind of the filter for me because as service providers, we hold a certain amount of power and we have to be responsible with our power to support these brands. At least that's how I feel. Everyone yeah, can sure. decide for themselves, but it's what I've learned. The other rule I had was the last couple of years, if I worked with you, you had to make my kids feel good every time they came into the camera <laughs> screen. Because <laughs> they were home, right? That's yeah, I was sometimes literally like the jungle gym for my two-year-old or he was, sorry, he was uh, four at the time three and four like I was literally his jungle gym That's and like the clients would just love up on him Aww. and I'm like you're my people if yeah. you can understand like this is my situation and interestingly for one of my clients it was market research she used it in her webinar she's like I see you women I see your children climbing on you during the zoom I feel you literally <laughs> yeah one of my girls she her daughter's with us almost on every team meeting like eating breakfast or whatever she- <laughs> few 18 months something around that and we love it like we're like she's a part of the team <laughs> yes. the oh it's yeah cool and that like, we get to create those situations yeah and like if you have an idea and the kiddo like I remember I had a business idea and I was with a group of mentors and her kiddo came in with a big glittery stop sign Aww. and I was just like I'm not meant to do this business idea she just walked up to the camera and put a big glittery stop sign she was like no. nope <laughs> That's so cool. They know as much, if not more, than we do. And they really that do. Is the absolute magic of children. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so circling a little bit back to when we were talking about, you know, the the hardships of entrepreneurship, I would love to know what was like what's one of the hardest things that you found to deal with when it comes to, you know, building your success? Uh, so in terms of hardships, I think that as we mentioned earlier, because I've been in business so long, it's evolved over time. So the biggest hardships in the beginning were the financial hardships. So I didn't have a lot of education around money. And so there were times where I felt depressed, where I was like, but it was very light for me. I was very blessed that depression didn't really affect me. Yes, there were times where I didn't feel good about money. And then I could kind of work my way out of it by visiting family or being around people I love and feeling good again about what I was doing and just kind of picking myself up off the floor and like continuing forward. Because as a service provider, we are kind of blessed in the sense that we get paid well for our work. So it's not like we need a bunch of clients to solve Mm -hmm. our financial issues. And ultimately our clients are not responsible for our finances. I never put that on them, of course but it's still hard. You get a level of attachment because you want the money to solve the things in your household. So I wish in the beginning I had more emotional intelligence around money. And someone who talks really beautifully about that is Topsy Vanderbosch. I totally recommend looking her up on Instagram. There's lots of resources. Amanda Francis was mentioned. So read books, listen to people who talk about emotional intelligence around money. If you're kind of resonating with what I just said, 
Um, so now I'm, instead of looking at my month to month revenue, I'm looking at my quarterly revenue. I do the same thing. Yeah. Helps me a lot. And I'm really, you know, there's unearned privilege that I have to be able to do that, but there's also, I worked for that. So there's a lot of things that go into me being able to look at my quarterly financials at this point and being good. The other thing that helped me about my money is to have multiple revenue streams. It's not for everyone, but it has really helped me. Like I wouldn't say out the gate, like go straight to membership. I took my time getting there, but having like a high ticket program, like my mastermind, I've had different evolutions of that. It's really helped me financially to be able to not just focus on selling private client work. And that's, what's worked for me now that I'm a bit more further on and I've had like modicums of success now is a different thing. It's saying yes to too much got me into Mm. trouble in 2019. And for the first time I had to name my anxiety right before the pandemic, I was literally on a stage speaking in front of 150 of my peers and I was having terrible anxiety and I still got on that stage and it was not a good idea. I didn't know how to protect myself and say no, to be honest, that people pleaser in me really got me into trouble. And right before that, I had taught a retreat that was co-hosted, but you know, like that group, I felt really comfortable around. But when I got in front of the 150 people, I was like, oh, I am a mess. Mm. Like I was up from 2 a.m. until the time I got on stage in the afternoon. It was just like, looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness. And then right as I was going to step onto that stage, I got a call that my son's therapy was closing. And I was like, because the pandemic was starting, that was the weekend before everything closed for two weeks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was wild. And I just, I went home early. I got in my car and I was like, I just want to be with my family. Like that was my And, and it was such a relief because I said no to everything else. I was supposed to fly to Morocco later that month to teach somewhere. I was supposed to go to, um, someone had invited me to Sedona. I was supposed to go to Rhode Island. There were like a list of places I was supposed to go and all of it was off the table. And it was the biggest blessing because I had the opportunity to work through what was, I guess you could call like a bigger anxiety that I had never experienced in my life. So the wild thing about that, it was all connected to my hormones and what women don't often talk about is that you can be menopausal at any age. Mm. And so I was menopausal at 36. By the time I had the anxiety issues, it was, I was 38. Wow. And, And now just even this last week, it's interesting. These last three years, every year, anxiety shows up in a new way for me. (laughs) Yeah. who knew there was such a broad rainbow spectrum of anxiety oh my gosh I yeah well just to relate a little bit I had postpartum anxiety right when I had my daughter and mm-hmm. I never really experienced anxiety before and it hasn't gone away so it's been almost two years now and it's mm-hmm. the craziest thing to experience and it's always changing like yeah. you said yeah <laughs> So like, I will get at this point, like I've worked through, um, having it no longer be a daily part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and so the tools, because I always love to talk about like, how do we navigate this now that I've set the stage for what it is. 
for me, talk therapy, unfortunately, doesn't work. I'm not a verbal processor. I think it makes it worse for me. That's what I'm realizing the last couple of weeks. I thought it worked, but now I'm like, I think I'm, I think I was getting worse (laughs) after every session. I'm not sure, but yeah, I feel that. So I'm a body processor. So um, that means I process emotion through my body instead of verbally. So massages are a non-negotiable mm. for me. Uh, I have one booked after this. Beautiful. <laughs> she comes Beautiful. to my house. It's amazing. I just had a tandem massage sidebar. Sorry, I'm on a tandem. I, yes, but let's do it. I had a let's tandem talk. massage on Friday where two people massaged you at the same time. Wow. It was mind-blowing like they were massaging my hands at the same time both my feet at the same time like my back at the same time I was like what world am I living that I'm allowed to do this <laughs> okay because when you said tandem I thought it was with your partner okay two girl pe- people massage with my partner's great too but like two people massaging me <laughs> that's incredible I yeah, heard, I should try it I've heard of like people getting like Reiki it's actually called a bar session but I won't explain it let's just call it Reiki um I've heard of someone getting like Reiki because most people know what that is which is just energy work yeah they're transferring universal uh healing energy through themselves to you but they don't touch you and at the same time getting a physical massage from someone else so like let's get decadent for a minute Um, and then just to explain somatic therapy, because in case someone mm-hmm. wants to dabble in these different things we're talking about, somatic is basically the way I describe it is um, a massage for your emotions. They can touch you, but they don't have to. They can do it online. And it's incredible because for me, like you're, you're holding your organs often in, in, in a weird way, like your anxiety, particularly for me, lives in my stomach. So I process things and I'm holding my stomach right now. I know I am because I'm talking to someone and it's what we do naturally, but somatic therapy allows you to release anything you're holding. And it's done like through um, words, but she's talking and I'm not. So I highly recommend it. Like if you can get your hands on these different modalities and look like I have it as a part of my personal budget because if my mind and anxiety is not together, I am not of any service to anybody. And I'm not willing to have that be an expense of my family or myself as well. So I've had to learn a, to say no a lot and B to find the modalities that actually work for me because there's you know, I'm blessed. I live in LA. It's like everything you can imagine is here. <laughs> there's like cat therapy or something. I don't know. I'm making it up, but like the dance no, is on the beach and everything <laughs> like it's so good. But it's something that it's, you said, say no to things, but also say yes to yourself. Massage has become mm-hmm. bi-weekly for sure, but almost a weekly thing for me lately because yep. my anxiety, because my business was growing because, you know, everything was happening. And I realized at one moment, I'm like, I feel so bad. Like, I don't want to tell people I'm going for a weekly massage. Cause like, that's so indulgent. Well, actually like, it's not, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, you know, the, any of those things, my, I guess, vice is a weekly massage because it's not a vice. It's like my therapy. Cause that's where I can turn off my brain and my, I have a chronic illness. My body always hurts. So it helps me physically as well. And that's not something we should be ashamed of to say, or to even do, right? Like moms are, oh, I get to shower. That's my form of self-therapy. No, or self-love, whatever. No, that's not. That's like hygiene. 
<laughs> oh, I love that you put that into context. Yeah. It's really important because yes. And literally in my budget, I have a line item that says therapy. And sometimes that therapy is having somatic. And sometimes that therapy is taking the day off and going to the beach. And sometimes that therapy is going to the botanical gardens. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that therapy is paying for tickets to the opera. I do think we put therapy in a box. Yeah. And we have to be careful not to, and to acknowledge that each of us get to where we need in completely different ways. Yeah. And I want to say that therapy can work for some people. And it worked for me at the yeah. beginning, you know, we were, yeah. I was doing EMDR and it was great and it was, you know, a life-changing thing. So don't take this as we're saying that therapy doesn't work because it can work for some people, mm-hmm. but for some people, like you said, somatic for me, breath work has changed my life. Like it is breath work has been amazing. just so beautiful. And, and there's so many different practices that people can try. Yeah. And shout out to the folks who don't necessarily have the line item in their budget. Like Mm. for me laying down on the floor and breathing, especially after I work out. Yeah. Try it after you exercise. It's bananas because you're already in your body so much. And then you just like amp it up a little bit more. I have found though, when my anxiety is super intense, breath work is not the thing because it it might elevate your heart rate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's different types of breath work. Cause there's, uh-huh. you know, we can get into that in another episode, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Geeking out on it. And I, I, I will mention one resource for breath work that I like a woman on Instagram, um, Anya rock. So it's a I N E. And then her last name is rock, like rock. She rocks. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I always go to pause breath work. That's where I got certified for breath work. It's pause breath work run by Samantha Skelly. She's in San Diego, I believe. But yeah, it's it's phenomenal. They have an app too, which is really affordable and they have like practices you can do. I'm pretty sure even for anxiety, but I don't have the app yet because it wasn't available for Samsung for a long time. I don't know if it is now, but yeah, I'm totally writing that down. Thank you so much. And I love that she's in San Diego, my peoples. Yes. Yes. So good. Stevie Wright is another great one. She has a breathwork channel. That's phenomenal. She's also, she's in Los Angeles actually. Of course. Yeah. We all hang out over here. Y'all do. Healing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, take me back home. I've been in Winnipeg my whole life, but I call San Diego home. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so I know you have a little gift for our listeners. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you are someone who has an online business and you consider yourself a personal brand as well, that's always a plus. But if you're like a service provider or a course creator, I have a triple email open rates template that you can use. So I get that when we start our business, like Natalie was saying, you have great intentions to write your email list. And if you have ghosted them, You can totally use these templates to show back up with your list and it'll get you ready to make an offer to them. If y'all are on my list, you might be seeing these templates coming into your email box pretty soon. (laughs) I love it. And if you've been in business a long time and you do write to your email list, I have a question. When has the last time been that you scrubbed your list? Because these triple email open rates templates will also help you. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. So if they go to sageflares.com slash for the success, the name of Natalie's show, uh, you will totally be able to grab that. It's sageflares.com slash for the success. That's beautiful. And you'll be able to find that in our show notes too. You can just click it and go check it out. 
if you guys liked this episode, if you like the templates, I would love if you went over to Sage's Instagram, it will be in the show notes below and give her a hello. Tell her in the DMs. You can screenshot the episode and tag us. Let us know that you're listening. And is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners, Sage? I guess just for final thoughts, anybody who's in business, I want to be your champion. Like, please get to know me. I am really excited to connect with you in the DMs and support you in any way that I can, because that's how I roll. And I know, Natalie, uh, I'm so grateful that you opened up this new circle to me because I am all about being in new circles and meeting people. So thank you. Thank you. And you have the best personality too. So even just if you want to follow Sage for some laughs, it's a good time over there. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. I love to, I do love to laugh. That's awesome. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you and your next version of success is around the corner. Bye.